Hi, friends, and welcome back to the Period Chats podcast. On this podcast, we examine how the period stigma, along with various other stigmas, have impacted women administrators' health throughout the years. My name is Kate, and I'll be your host, along with many other amazing guests. I'm a registered dietitian with a master's degree in human clinical nutrition. I'm also the founder of Funkit Wellness, a menstrual health company. So if you're ready to learn more about yourself, your cycle, and the world, tune in and let us know what you think. This podcast is brought to you by Funkit Wellness. Check out their seed cycling kits on www.funkitwellness.com. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Period Chats podcast. I am so excited. I have a fellow dietitian, Whitney, on here, and she is actually the fertility nut on Instagram. She has some of my favorite content when it comes to fertility, um, trying to conceive, and just actually general cycle nutrition. So I'm going to turn it over to Whitney and she can introduce herself and tell us all about um, what she's been up to before we dive in. Oh, hi, Kate. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here and I'm excited we're on Zoom and we're matching. So we're both fall vibe brown beige today and I'm loving it. Um, I'm Whitney, aka the fertility nut. I help women get pregnant. That's <laughs> basically the short of it. Um, I'm a trained registered dietitian. I've been to school forever, master's degree, all that fun stuff. And I started out in the hospital and after a while realized that that was not my jam. And I really loved helping women who were trying to get pregnant and really interested in starting their family and realized after, um, after trying to research for my own pregnancies, that there was no information out there. Um, and the information that we were getting from our providers was, uh, pretty shitty. So, I quit my job and started my own practice and I've been at it for over three years now on my own. I've been a dietitian for 10, (gasps) Um, but yeah, that's what I do. I help women online learn, you know, about their bodies, what's going on, how to feed themselves, how to nourish their fertility so they can get pregnant. (laughs) That is amazing. And it's so funny because, you know, I think like I started out in the hospital too. And I was like, wait a minute, this is not the right information. Like, why is this what we're sharing? Cause I started out in maternal and child health mm-hmm. and I was like, wait a minute, we're just giving everyone boost. This is not the right thing. <laughs> or depending on the contract your hospital had, it's like insure or boost. <laughs> and it's all about the contract. And also mm-hmm. like, um, no one will see our actual video, but we both have on oatmeal colored sweaters and I also had oatmeal for breakfast. So it's just like a whole vibe today. We're very, we're ready to go. (laughs) We're ready for it. Okay. So I'm sure you get asked this question all the time because when it comes to fertility, a lot of people, there's a lot we don't know. And like, it's interesting, just like personal journeys, working with clients, but what does a fertility dietitian and coach, I think it's important to point out the coach aspect. What do you slash they do? Well, I'm glad you pointed that out too, because I started out as just a fertility dietitian because that's what I was trained in. And I was like, all right, well, I'll just talk about food. And then I realized pretty quickly that food was not everything. Um, Fertility is, it's the culmination of so many different aspects of your bodily functions. And food is a very, it's my favorite part, obviously (laughs) what I went to school for, but it's also how your hormones are in sync, how you're resting your body, how you're moving your body, how you feel in your body, um, your gut health, all of these different aspects. And so I transitioned, um, my role from just very food focused into more of like an all encompassing coach, um, 
so that it better described what I do. And basically I, I work with what I call like the five pil pillars of fertility. So food number, that's my favorite, um, food movement, mindset, supplements, and environment, and just getting those things in line to help fully support your hormone production. Um, hope, and if you get your hormone production in line, supporting ovulation, ovulation, you got to ovulate to have babies. So that's, yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> that's awesome. I love how you touched on like the five pillars, because I think it's something that it's so easy to silo, like, okay, I'm just going to focus on my nutrition, or I'm just going to focus on my sleep, or I'm just going to focus on my movement. And it really is like everything else, the unsexy answer of it's balance mm. and it's the holistic approach. It absolutely is. And I think that's kind of what we're sold to. Oh, if you just fix your food, it'll be fine. Or if you just take these out, especially with supplements, if you take this fertility tea, that's all you need to ovulate. And it's just, there's so much more to it than that. And it, we just, we're not educated on it growing up. Um, there's a lot, there's a huge lack of education in general about our menstrual cycles, but how to support it. We have, we have no idea we're only given what the diet industry has told us. And that's about it. <laughs> yeah. And if you look at what the diet industry is telling us, it will most likely turn off your ovulation. If you would exactly. like to follow their protocols and I would not recommend it. Not my, not a fan guys, not a fan ladies, ladies, gentlemen, they, <laughs> all the people, not a fan all of the, the diet industry. <laughs> um, okay. So this is a question that I wish I would have known the answer to a lot earlier on in life. Is fertility just a concern when you're trying to get pregnant or if you want to have kids? That is, it's just such a good question because I remember growing up in high school, I had a friend who only ever ovulated every three months and I thought she was so lucky. Like, and when I say ovulation, she only got her period every three months. Um, we didn't know anything about ovulation in high school, but she, I was like, she's just the luckiest. She only has to bleed every three months. And I thought it was amazing. And I had no idea until a lot, lot, like probably 10, 15 years later, that that was a, a sign of hormonal imbalance and the things that she was experiencing as far as like fatigue, muscle deterioration, um, anxiety, depression, a lot of those things had to do with the fact that she wasn't having normal cycles. Um, fertility is important for all of us, not just the people who are trying to get pregnant or struggling to get pregnant. Your fertility is a, it's, it's like the canary in the coal mine really, because fertility is the, it's, it's not required in your body to survive. So your heart has to beat, your liver has to, to detoxify everything. Your kidneys have to filter. Those things are required. So your body is going to prioritize taking care of those systems first, and it's going to downregulate your fertility if there's something funky going on. So if you're not getting regular cycles, if there's pain, pain with your cycles or anything funky going on, those are signs of underlying imbalance. It's kind of like a monthly report card. And so when I think about fertility, it's important for all of us because it's a measure of our overall health. Plus there are so many wonderful benefits to ovulation, um, besides getting pregnant. It's, it's a huge sex booster. <laughs> it's a huge mood booster. Um, the progesterone that you produce after you ovulate helps promote something called GABA in your brain, which helps keep you kind of chill and calm and happy. And when we don't have progesterone, it can be, um, really hard on our mental health. And same with estrogen, when we're lacking estrogen, it can be really bad for our bone health. It can be really terrible for our sex drive. <laughs> um, so it's not just for people who are trying to get pregnant. It is really such a, such an amazing thing for all women of, um, 
cycling age, I guess I should say, I was going to say of a breeding age. <laughs> that's not the right word. <laughs> hey, I mean, that's like how you think about it though. Yeah. And it's so <laughs> interesting that you like bring up all those other things. Cause like, like I said, I've been really diving back into the research lately. And also estrogen is protective for cardio tissue, uh-huh. which I did not know. That's so cool. Yep. And they don't have, especially because women are, um, the first in line with heart disease. So we, t- we kind of get pushed on the back burner when it comes to cardiac stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just crazy how important ovulation is, but like, I honestly did not understand ovulation fully until I started diving into this menstrual cycle education. And I can't believe we're not taught that in school. Mm-hmm. Well, like how long did you go to school? <laughs> How long were you in college? (laughs) I was in college for forever. Like six years, I think. So like I did my undergrad and I did nutrition and kinesiology, like dietetics. I did my internship after that. And then I got a master's degree in human clinical nutrition and biochemistry. Never did I learn about ovulation. (laughs) Never. And I took like a million physiology classes. So many science classes, so many biology classes, not once. (laughs) Not one time. And like, it just, it blows my mind when you start talking about all these protective benefits of ovulation. And then we think about how we're really just told to shut off ovulation and disconnect from it. And I'm like, wow, that's such a disconnect from Mm -hmm. the benefits that we know come from it. And then what we're being told to do. Yeah. Well, and the same with your period, like periods gross. It's, it's painful. You're going to hate it. It's awful. It's something you have to deal with instead of it using as a a health marker. It's definitely not promoted (laughs) as that you watch any Kotex commercial. (laughs) And even like this month, my period was a couple days late, but I knew October was a crazy month where I did not prioritize stress. And I was like, this is my body literally telling me, okay, you put us through it this month and we're going to need some extra time. We're not happy with this. I don't want you to keep doing this. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. And so when we're talking about fertility and we're talking about like, okay, it's important for everybody. This is a conversation that I had on my Instagram and I thought it was really interesting. This was like my most engaged poll I've ever had. I just randomly asked, like, even if you're not trying to conceive, have you considered fertility testing? And mm-hmm. 80% of people said yes. Yeah. So what should they be considering? So what, what is the testing we should be considering? This is a pretty nuanced topic because there is, there's a, it's information is powerful and it helps us make decisions, but it can also create a lot of stress that's unneeded. So for instance, let's say you're on birth control. You're in your early twenties, mid twenties, or just in your, whenever you're on birth control, doesn't matter what age. Um, and you're interested in getting some fertility testing, any fertility testing you get within like the three months you're coming off of birth control is not going to be accurate. Um, your body isn't, our bodies are pretty lazy. Like if we are hand feeding it or hormone hormones, it's not going to be making it on its own. It doesn't want to, it's going to be like, all right, she's got this, whatever. I'm just going to take a rest. So when you're getting off of birth control, it can take some time for your body to get the memo that like, okay, we got to like synthesize these on our own. We got to get back into the groove. And so I've had a lot of clients get like their anti-malarian hormone tested, which is their AMH, um, or their estradiol or their progesterone, like while they're even on birth control or right after they come off of it. And it's just in the toilet and they start to panic because their numbers are low. And when, and the way fertility works, if you are mentally very, very stressed 
it sends signals to your body that something bad is happening. And like I said earlier, your fertility gets downregulated first if something bad is going on. So I don't, I'm not a huge fan of testing for no reason because of that. And I think I, I might have a different opinion on this just based on the work that I've done. Um, but I have found in a lot of cases where it just stresses women out for no reason. And so um, I recommend testing if your cycles are off, if you are um, having super painful periods, if you are having really short periods or really long bleeds or no periods, that's a sign. We got to get some testing if you're not having any periods. But if you are having regular cycles and you're tracking ovulation um, and you're seeing positive signs of ovulation, I don't recommend testing um, just for peace of mind. I don't think, <laughs> I don't think it's always the best, the best thing. I think that's a really interesting take on it. And that's been my whole thing. I've been this like on a year of like, should I test? Should I not? This is just like a personal tangent. And the reason I haven't done it to this point is because I was like, well, I don't want to be stressed about this because I have a regular menstrual cycle. I confirm ovulation every month. Um, so that's really great. So I love that just recapping. So if everything's going, you're ovulating and you can confirm that and you have a regular menstrual cycle and your periods aren't painful and they are showing up, you probably don't need to. It's if there's an indication, something's off, it's a good idea to get started there. Yes. And I don't always start with the typical like fertility testing like that. I think most uh, I, the company I'm thinking of off the top of my head, I know there's quite a few now, um, but modern fertility, they test like your AMH and your estradiol and stuff. I don't go there first necessarily. I'll look at your insulin levels. I'll look at your thyroid function. Um, typically I like to run something called a Dutch hormone test to see how your body's processing hormones. Um, that's my, I get so, and everybody knows I get real nerdy about this test it's like a map of how your body is processing hormones. And it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> I love that though. And I love understanding like how and why our bodies are doing something because that was my thing is I was reading through and I like to think I'm a pretty educated consumer, but I was reading through all the sites last night. I was comparing them all. And I was like, you know, I'm trying to figure out how much of this is marketing and how much of this is really what I need to know and pay for. And so that's a really good point. Like it's just better to back up and understand how our body's working. Um, and we don't want to create stress because that is hands down. The number one way to shut off and ovulation is to stress your body out. Mm -hmm. And I also think it's the hardest thing to control. It's kind of like opening Pandora's box. It's not tangible. And so it's not like taking a supplement. It's not like cutting out a food group or eating more or doing something different. It is something you're mentally wrapping your brain around and something that you have to deal with all the time. And so I think, cause I, I am a pretty anxious person. If I, if I let myself go, I could really go on a tangent. <laughs> and so for me, I operate from a place that I want to reduce that as much as possible. And so I will look at the things that contribute to ovulation more than I look at just the hormones associated with it. Yeah. I think that's like great advice. And I think also we do live in a really anxiety provoking world. So like I'm one on more TikTok. thing, <laughs> I love TikTok, but it stresses me out. It's so easy to just sit there and scroll, all day. but that's it can great. create anxiety. It's, it's a lot of simulation. <laughs> that's great though. So if you're not experiencing any of those indications that something's off, then, you know, it's your choice, do what you want, but 
definitely be aware that stress is something that could come and they're not always accurate. That's what I also like to point out is sometimes these at-home tests, like they try their best to be accurate, but it's hard to know exactly how accurate they are. Exactly. And I've seen a lot of discrepancies with some of these tests and they'll come to me and they'll, they'll have done an at-home test. And then we end up doing some follow-up labs because it's been like what, six, 12 months. And it's not even close to what the original test had said. I mean, not even in the same ballpark. And so it's, I kind of, eh, that's my, eh. <laughs> like, that's me with so many things. I'm like, eh, I don't know. We should just probably do this the way we know works. Same. Awesome. Okay. So this is a question we got submitted through Instagram and it's a really good question. I've actually never thought about. So does birth control quote unquote, save our eggs for mm-hmm. fertility? So this is such a good question. And I've, I've looked this up before, you know, in, in my past researches, um, and <laughs> you would think that there would be these amazing studies that would come out, or there would be information from the birth control providers themselves, like the Yaz websites, or yeah, I don't even know if Yaz is in production. That's what I used to take in my twenties. Um, but like ortho tricycline or any of those pr- birth control, you'd think that there would be like a disclaimer or like an F- FAQ or something from any of those websites in it. There's nothing. (laughs) There's a whole lot of nothing. Um, What we know is that follicle development still does happen while you are still taking birth control. You're just not going to, it's not going to come to fruition. It's not going to be a follicle that ruptures from the ovary, but there is still hormone processing happening in your ovary. We also know that women who are on birth control don't start menopause at a different rate than women who are not on birth control. And so based on some pretty much (laughs) non-data, we don't, we know that it doesn't save your eggs. They don't store up for the winter. (laughs) That's so interesting. And you're so right. Like if it did save your eggs, you think that they would put that everywhere. Everybody, everybody there, there would be no egg freezing. Everybody would just be on birth control. Yeah. It's not. Unfortunately, that'd be cool if it did work that way though. <laughs> yeah. Like that would be cool because then people could just get a later Let's start. Do that. <laughs> Tell um, the birth control providers, we need an extra, we need this new thing added. <laughs> we would like the eggs to be preserved yes. <laughs> till about 45. <laughs> That's when I'm ready. <laughs> that was a great segue. And this was not an original question, but I've had a lot of friends who have gone through egg freezing. Is that something you work through with people, um, like getting them ready for that process or coaching them through that? Yes, I have before. Um, I, anytime you're going to be going through any of the process to retrieve eggs, to get pregnant naturally through IVF, egg freezing, however you are going in the reproductive process, those five pillars still matter. It doesn't matter if you're planning on getting pregnant at that minute, or if you're freezing those eggs for later, because the, the food and lifestyle choices that you're making impact your egg quality. I call it like the, the fertility nutrient bath. <laughs> um, if you're binge drinking, like Halloween just happened over the weekend, let's say you like, you're just going balls to the wall. You've been to Vegas, you've been to LA, you're going all over the place. You're eating fast food and drinking all the time. Those are the eggs that you're going to produce for the next three months. And so that it takes about 90 days for eggs to fully circulate or process and metabolize through not metabolize, um, develop through your ovaries. And so your eggs that you're producing, like producing now that's from the summer. So if you had like a wild girl summer, these eggs aren't going to be great. <laughs> they, they might be a little iffy. Um, but if you're real, let's say you're planning on doing like an egg retrieval in the new year, 
you want to start now trying to get that in line so that you can really enhance and optimize the quality of those eggs. Yeah. I think that's something I was really like, wow. When I found out that it's actually like the next 90 days or three cycles is like those eggs are impacted. So it's not just like this month, what you did impacts this month's egg. It's like that forward thinking what I do Mm -hmm. now matters three months from now. Exactly. Yep. And that's sometimes why your period for, and this, like for you, when you had that stressful month, like stress tends to affect things pretty immediately because that's the hormones you're producing now. But sometimes when you'll have like a really painful period or a really funky something happen, think about what's happened in the last three months. You could look back and say, oh, yep, I had COVID then, or I, you know, had a really nasty cold. I know um, I had COVID back in February. It sucks. Um, but my cycle for the next two cycles was affected because of that. And so, yeah, it's, it's a thing. (laughs) Yeah. I was living my best hot girl summer and I'm paying for it now. (laughs) (laughs) I think we all are. We needed a hot girl summer, right? (laughs) It was good for our mental health. (laughs) We needed it and it was worth it. But I've, I've been like taking like time off alcohol and I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, I'm interested to see it's been 40 days. So next cycle, we'll see how it affects it. How it goes. Yep. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So obviously being a dietitian, we have to talk about nutrition. So when it comes to nutrition, what are just some basic pillars? I know everyone's different and I know I'm always using that. It depends because it does. Always, (laughs) always, um, accountants and dietitians will always tell you, well, it depends (laughs) and lawyers. I think lawyers too. (laughs) Yeah. Accountants, dietitians, lawyers, it depends, but what are some general principles for um, nutrition just for our fertility in general? Mm -hmm. So once you go down the fertility rabbit hole, um, you Google it, you can really find any diet to support what you're trying to do. So if you say paleo fertility, you'll find something, somebody wrote a blog somewhere that's like, paleo is the best. And same with Atkins, same with fasting, same with anything. You can Google your evidence to support whatever you are saying, but that can literally drive you insane because if you're eliminating a lot of foods, a lot of food groups, it changes your microbiome in your gut and it changes how you're digesting things. And especially if you're experiencing a lot of stress and frustration while you're doing it, that's going to change a whole lot of bodily processes. So I always come from a place of inclusion versus exclusion. I never start with like cutting out dairy, cutting out gluten, cutting out fun. (laughs) I try to get back to the basics getting good sources of protein, high quality vegetables, getting some good carbs in there, hydrating yourself, basically like feeding yourself (laughs) with real food. That's where I always start with. And I would rather say, instead of cutting things out, like if let's say you're having a meal of just plain pasta, pasta itself is not maybe the most nutritious option, but you can add broccoli to it. You can add chicken to it. You can add seeds to it. You can do a lot of different things. And I would much rather do that than say, don't eat pasta. You know what I mean? I love that because I think that like, like we have touched on in every other question we've talked about, (laughs) life is stressful enough. We don't need to be unnecessarily taking things out. Maybe if you do an intolerance test and yeah, your body really doesn't want you to have that, but I love your saying like adding, and it's really just going back to that balancing. So Mm -hmm. like, do I have a high quality carb? Do I have a high quality fat? Do I have good protein in this meal? Great. My blood sugar is going to thank me for that. Yep. And you're probably going to end up happier too, because if you're really craving the pasta, 
that craving, it, I mean, sometimes it goes away, but sometimes it doesn't and it drives you insane. And then you end up waking up at three in the morning and eating angel hair butter noodles. <laughs> we have pasta once a week. And it's one of those mm-hmm. things people are like, oh, you eat pasta? I'm like, yeah, we're having a really yummy, high protein edamame like style pasta. And they're mm-hmm. like, oh, I didn't even think about like, if you add the protein to it, it helps you stay full. I'm like, yeah, it's just matching your foods. Yep, exactly. But that's my biggest, that's, I would say my food philosophy is very much trying to come from a place of keeping the joy, keeping the fun, because at at the heart of it, fertility is supposed to be fun. Your it's your luxury hormones. It's, it's a good time. It's supposed to be a good time. And when we get super, super technical, and there are parts of the fertility, depending on where you're at on the fertility spectrum, there's a lot of parts that aren't going to be fun. If you're struggling to get pregnant, it gets to be unfun. And so I like to keep as much of the joy in it as we possibly can. I love that. We need to get joy (laughs) wherever we can, especially from food. Exactly. (laughs) All right. Now let's talk about the sperm. Mm -hmm. So this is something I think gets overlooked quite often. So it's very, okay, we got to fix whatever's going on with the ovaries. We've got to fix what's going on with your uterus, whatever it is, your blood sugar. Is there anything that people can do for sperm quality when it comes to nutrition? So many things. So sperm, it's a, it's a topic that often gets skipped because I think it's so closely tied to, um, men's it's kind of self-image, like their fertility, their virility. And so a lot of times, like doctors don't want to address it because they, I'm not a hundred percent sure. It's almost like they treat like men with kid gloves. Like they don't want to hurt their feelings or they don't want them to feel bad about themselves. And so they don't bring it up, but they're 50% of the genetic equation and 30 to 40% of, um, infertility situations. And I don't love the word infertility because it's not always the case, but it's what everybody it's the term that's most well-known. Um, it's due to male factor infertility or the, the sperm part of it. And so I do think that it's something to be addressed and the same kind of thing for women. Like if you are on a bender for the last three months, and then you want to get pregnant, those eggs have been exposed to the alcohol drugs or, you know, fast food, whatever you've been using on your bender, whatever your, you know, joy of choice, (laughs) um, men are the same. The sperm have been exposed to all of those. Um, their reproduction or their regenerative rate is a lot quicker than women. It's about 72 days. Um, but same, same kind of concept. And so the things that they're eating and the things that they're doing still affect their sperm production, their hormone production. Um, but for men, my number one antioxidants, antioxidants are the name of the game for our gentlemen. Um, sperm are, (laughs) um, I'm not, it's, it's just how they're designed. They're, they're delicate. They're fragile, fragile cells. Um, it's just the head, the tail and little DNA and mitochondria in there. And that's about it. It's not very complex, which means it's not got a lot to protect itself. And so if you are, um, if, if the sperm are exposed to a lot of damage, whether that's like chemical exposure, physical damage, um, heat damage, um, it could even be, uh, stress responses in the male body that affect the sperm. They can get damaged very easily. Now, a really fun fact is that the sperm can still survive and, um, implant and the egg can, uh, repair the sperm up to a certain amount. Isn't that cool? That is so cool. I did not know that. Yep. So to a certain extent we can help them out. (laughs) 
but we can't fix it all together. And so antioxidants, which um, reduce the oxidative damage to sperm can help improve DNA quality are really, really important. So when we talk about antioxidants, we're talking about dark, bright, colorful vegetables, high quality nutrients, um, all of those things, vitamins A, C, and E, um, anthocyanins, resveratrol, all that good stuff, lycopene, huge vitamin E. Oh yeah. But all of those are really important for reducing the oxidative damage that sperm can come into contact with. Yeah. I've, I've experienced come into contact with the right word there. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. And it's interesting too, because I just feel like it's something we never talk about. Like even when I was doing research, like prepping for this episode, I was like, Hmm, I don't feel like I've seen enough about <laughs> sperm on here. No. And I always say like for my couples, usually when people, when women come to work with me, they are, they're a little bit farther along on the spectrum of their fertility. It's not typically when they've just started trying, I get hired, like after they've tried for a while and it's not working. Um, I don't take it personally though. <laughs> I'm, I'm the last stop, <laughs> but, um, a lot of couples, because if you're having trouble getting pregnant, it can be, uh, a wedge in your relationship. It can create a lot of distance and frustration and anxiety and all of that. And food is something that you can connect with because it is something you both it's important for both of you. So it's not just one person, you know, going balls to the wall with kale salad and eggs, both people, we should both be involved in that situation. So I don't look at it as work. I, it's a connecting. <laughs> I love that. And like, you know, we eat together anyways, like for Alex and I, like, that's like our one time a day, we actually get to sit down and see each other. We both work crazy jobs. And so making it that connection element is such an, like, that's such a good idea and a way to just really bring the fun back around food and fertility. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, we're wrapping up. Is there anything else? Like, obviously you do this every day. So is there anything else you just like want out there in the world that you want people to know or that we haven't covered yet? Um, well, I'm going to have, I haven't announced this yet on, you guys are the first ones to know. Um, but I have a new quiz coming out basically just is your body ready to get pregnant? And then it'll help give you, um, kind of a quick start plan to get you there. It's not quite finished yet. I, it's almost there. And so that should be ready. By the time this podcast comes out, I should have those pages written by then. <laughs> we will link it in the show notes. Yes. <laughs> um, that's awesome. I love a good quiz. Cause I think it's just such a good way to like, even just taking a quiz, you like kind of evaluate your choices. And then you're like, ah, I think I know the answer to this by the end. Exactly. Yep. And I think getting some direction. Cause there's, if you Google like fertility help. Oh my God. It's so overwhelming. It's so overwhelming. So I'm hoping to give a resource that kind of like helps you narrow it down into the things that you need to focus on versus trying to do everything all at once. That's amazing. Well, I can't wait to link that <laughs> quiz because I'm definitely going to take it and then we can go from there. Yep. Mm -hmm. So I ask everyone this question at the end of the podcast, and I'm going to alter it slightly because I it's about the period stigma, but this time I want to ask it about fertility specifically. How do you think the stigma around fertility impacts um, women's ability to get help around these subjects? Oh, well, I mean, when you talk about fertility, it's the thing you're supposed to be able to do, you know, it's the thing your body was made to do. And so when it doesn't happen, it can, it sort of confirms all of the fears that we have about our body anyway, as women, you know, we're broken. We're not right. I've always known this. And you know, it sort of just perpetuates that mindset that we aren't good enough. And we are really quick to 
us accept the idea that we're broken. And because of that, and we're not really given those options on how to fix it or how to support our bodies. Cause I really do believe, and I have proof in my work, um, that with the right support, our bodies can function, but we're just not given those options. And so I don't know if that answers your question. Um, <laughs> yeah, that totally does. I think that's okay. such a good point. I actually just had this conversation with a friend. It's like, we're expected to do it all and do it all without help and without actually giving ourselves what we need to do, what we need to do. That's a lot of different like euphemism or whatever that word is, yeah. but you know what I'm trying to say? Like mm-hmm. we're not giving ourselves the time, the support, the love, um, mm-hmm. and society just confirms that they're like, yep, you're not you're broken you need these things to fix. Like, yeah, it's, it's very much, you know, treating the symptoms instead of addressing the problem. Um, we, well, you and I live in the U S so that's kind of, it's kind of how the U S works. <laughs> Everyone I talk to on a daily basis, they're like, I mean, my period just is what it is. Like, why would I take the time? <laughs> Let me just show you. I can help. <laughs> I can help. I promise my whole life has changed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and talk to us. I just, this topic has gotten so much closer to my heart. Like as I've moved through this, I mean, just moved through life and also just had friends have babies or go through this or just realizing that fertility actually matters at every stage of life. So thank you for sharing all that information. Thank you for having me. I get, I mean, I love to talk about this all day long. I could, yeah, this has been a blast though. Thank you so much.